podcasting in my pajamas this is tiebreaker with ria it's all about capturing journeys sharing knowledge and letting you know that struggles are beautiful because growth comes only through efforts and struggles thank you for spending some time with me today now let's begin the transformation a very high percentage of startups fail I have seen people leap into entrepreneurship with the only goal of attaining personal wealth. The most successful entrepreneurs are not motivated by money. It's about the value, the way of life, the change, the identity, the help. It's a calling. It's about scratching the itch that just won't go away. It's about knowing that you're here to fix the problems. That's what motivated our next guest to start his own startup so that he can help the job seekers who are extremely talented but still don't get hired. He has become so successful that now he founded three companies that are doing so well. Let's welcome Lonnie McRoray. All right. So today we have Lonnie and I'm so happy that we met on LinkedIn. Uh, I got to meet a super human, if I might say so. It's amazing, you know, that the conversation we had on, on this introductory call, there, there were so many takeaways from that conversation that I don't know how to, how do I get started on this real recording? You know, <laughs> it's, it was awesome. Um, you are an entrepreneur and not just an entrepreneur who's in the industry to earn money. You've got a great story. You've got a great deed in you. And that's why you guys are growing extremely well. You know, so let's get started with knowing a little bit about you, about your early life, about where you come from and, you know, just about your early life. Okay. So yeah, my name is Lloyd McCrory. I'm the CEO of Framework Science. Uh, so I've been in the technology industry for over 20 years. Uh, you know, I worked for EDS and I worked for some large companies and I came from the, from both the product management, uh, from both the creating recruiting systems to DevOps systems and, uh, ended up working with multiple product companies uh, from different countries to travel around the world. I lived in South America for a bit and now I'm, uh, now I'm in, uh, right next door to San Diego and in Baja, California, Mexico. And so the culmination of those years of experience of really being outside of the United States, being in technology, it, uh, it gave me a whole new view and outlook in the world. So my background, uh, basically, where we're at today, is thanks to those uh, opportunities, and I'm going to say this word, opportunity, uh, thanks for having the opportunity for me to leave the United States outside the regular bubble. And I got to experience, you know, the rest of uh, the world. It's not always, you know, you, in the United States, we live in a bubble sometimes. And it was an incredible experience because then it allowed me to have more empathy uh, with different, you know, diverse cultures, uh, working with different types of people. And throughout the years, I worked with different cultures of course and uh wow. and it has its advantages it has disadvantages and so forth so i you know went from different working from um very large companies to startups and so forth and and ultimately uh i started detecting some issues and problems and they were basically fundamental in how business is actually 
uh, created? What, what, what purpose is the business created? You know, of course, everybody wants to make money. However, I started seeing some gaps and started seeing some of uh, the industries, especially in the software industry, uh, in the outsourcing industry, software outsourcing industry. And I started noticing a lot of gaps and started noticing uh, from, from the employee side, because I was on that side, right? So I started to notice that there was a, uh, a very common thread uh, in, across all companies because of the business model, meaning outsourcing companies are created, uh, product companies are created in order to make money off, off, uh, you know, with the clients because there's an engineer there working for them. And it's making profit of other people. And I think this is the fundamental reason why uh, this industry is failing. And a lot of people are going to say, well, I think you're incorrect and so forth. Um, I'm going to tell you that after seeing what I've seen in regards to underpaid employees, uh, overworked employees, software engineers from around the world, the objective of uh, an outsourcing company is to make money off the backs of the engineers or whatever staff they're outsourcing uh, resources, right? And so they say, oh, we have great culture and so forth. But at the end of the day, you, people are struggling, uh, people are struggling. The engineers are struggling because they want more. They, the owners want more profit. The engineers are overworked, and also they are not as passionate. Because if they're not thriving, they're worried about how they're going to make uh, ends meet. And so I noticed that that was part of why certain projects were, you know, the engineers were not focusing, and it was always a topic. And you know, they won't say that to human resources or to their bosses. So I had to use external resources before. I worked for different countries from South America, from, you know, Eastern Europe, India, Asia, um, you know, and, and good and bad experiences all around. Even you know, it's just it's a normal, typical thing. Um, the hour differences and so forth that they had, some engineers had to work at three o'clock in the morning. And that's not good for the human brain. So I started no annotating and start, put, you know, checking out the boxes. What were all the major gaps and issues and so forth? Because I was a product manager and I needed to get a product to market faster. But every time that I use external help, because there is a battle going on in the United States for talent. There's a war for talent. And everybody wants that best engineer. Uh, and and each time, you know, the United States, I don't want to go political, but, you know, we the United States has a policy of basically discarding top talent and sending them back to their countries instead of retaining talent in the United States. Exactly. So, and now, and now it forces companies that can't afford to do an H-1B, one visa and so forth to actually look for outsourcing vendors. And that is actually a double-edged sword because the knowledge base goes outside of the United States. There is also security issues, uh, property, intellectual property uh, issues, meaning that their their code is actually can be reused and they're going to be used for other products. And so you're losing your competitive advantage. And so I started taking notice of all these things. And I said, okay, I want to solve a problem here that is a fun, has a fundamental flaw. Um, outsourcing came out in the seven, 80s, uh, you know, with big companies like Tata, HCL, and so forth. And it became a very common thing throughout the 90s and 2000s. But that model was made for then. Now we need to revamp how we work together in a borderless fashion, meaning technology is agnostic and borderless. And so I started putting this together. I worked for a previous company. And this is the reason I got into, into this, that I myself never thought I was going to lead a company before, but out of sheer necessity and out of sheer uh, let's just say I was so angry 
at this previous company that I worked for, if you go on my LinkedIn, you know who I'm going to be talking about. I'm not going to mention their name. But I also give thanks for this company to show me of what not to do, meaning that wow. this, these individuals were highly greedy. Uh, they would burn their clients. Uh, even I was talking to another gentleman, yes, uh, actually the day before yesterday, that he runs a major technology group. And they burnt them. They 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 basically taken advantage because they're very greedy. They underpay their staff, even though they say, "Oh, you know, it's about culture. We'll give them some free tacos and free beer, and that's our culture." And then you underpay them, and they think that's all great. It's not, you know. So they treated me the same way. I was treated very, very, very poorly, and I, I was, you know, I, I was like, "Wow, that's that's really a very toxic environment." But I needed to face that to have the courage. And to let go of the fear that I could actually do this on my own. And it was the first time that I was so compelled to make a change in this industry. So that drive, and this is for all entrepreneurs, and I'm going to say this. Don't, don't do a business because you think it's going to pay your bills at the end of the day. You do that business because you know your mission and your vision is basically... It's going to have such an impact, not only to your employees, but to the people around you. And then getting up every single day. And by the way, perseverance. Because when you believe in that mission, you know you're, you're, you're feeling in the gut that this is something that needs to be done. And it's so, much, it's so easy for you to grow that way because you get up every morning and you're doing one thing. And that thing starts adding. You do that one thing every single day. And I also have enough say in the company. We got to do something better than we did yesterday. So the addition of all these things. And, and so we're talking about my early start uh, and, and, and it gradually went to outside of the United States. I started having more empathy because I started learning how other people uh, where they had issues and, 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 and I'm trying to balance both the business objectives. But at the same time, we need to build some very successful and effective uh, performing teams. And it's really difficult to do that when people are treated as a commodity. Human as a commodity is basically <laughs> software outsourcing today. So all these things, now you start adding up my experience, you start adding up the, the, the recent experience that I had that compelled me. And I said, if I were to build a product, my product as a product manager, I'm going to focus in the software outsourcing world. And I want to completely revamp it by showing the world that you can actually take away a lot of the uncertainty to for, for the software engineer or for the staff, because we have designers, data scientists, and so forth. You can take away a lot of the uncertainty by creating a model that you're making money basically for the company, for all the salaries. The, the owners don't, don't make money because they say, well, how are you going to survive in this? Well, this is a service industry, okay? So you provide a service, but at the same time, we need to be able to create products. Those are, those are ideas. You make money off of ideas, not off the backs of other people. So human as a commodity is basically what we see today in the outsourcing industry. Some people might disagree because they have a stake into it. And they say, well, Lonnie, you're, you're cutting into my business. I'm like, well, guess what? You need to change because we're going to change it for you. Because we're going to show the world that you can hire very top engineers. You pay them the top, top salaries. Oh, you're, you're pushing the, the, the rates up. And there's like, no. We're pushing the rates where they need to be because that's what they deserve. Wow. Not because, because when they are prospering and they are thriving, they create a process because they, have, they don't have to worry about other things. 
when people thrive, it actually augments, it really augments their creative process of, of problem solving. So as engineers, as designers, as creators, as, as founders, if we're focusing on the mission, then we're able to do more with much less, with greater certainty and less time, right? With a greater velocity, greater accuracy. So that's why I set, set up our business model to be philanthropic, meaning all the companies that we work with, and we grew really fast because of this. We are paying the highest salaries in Mexico while we're keeping the cost to the client very low, actually lower than our competition because we have an altru but basically we have an altruistic business model, meaning that all the money comes into operations. We are building our own system that is actually going to revolutionize uh, outsourcing because it's an entire uh, machine learning platform that sits on top of our services. So we're, we're each individual client has their own outlooking tracking system with us with a lot of the knowledge base behind us. And they're able to put their ideas and they're able to construct uh, effective teams. They're highly motivated because they're well-paid. Uh, they're investing in a philanthropic business. And by the way, here's another thing too. I I'm, I'm actually writing an article at Forbes magazine about this. How transparent is your software vendor? And, and then this goes back to the entire uh, concept of framework science. Uh, and it's basically transparency. So when com companies need to be able to invest money, to invest in ideas, invest in people uh, to get those ideas. And so transparency is highly critical for us. And I noticed that no other vendor is actually providing a total cost of ownership um, calculator, I call it kind of like a documentation where they can actually see, hey, this is the engineer's salary. These are comparable salaries. You're going to see that they're well paid. These are our these are the taxes we pay. These are all the benefits. These are operational costs because we pay for the hardware and software and stuff like that. And then it basically it shows them an area where they always they know other vendors they want to show because it's you know they're showing their business model is making profit. So they don't want to tell companies. And also another issue is the companies now, they say, well, I don't want you to look at my resumes. I'm going to tell you the people that I'm going to choose. And usually they'll put a senior guy and they'll switch it a few months later for a junior guy so they can make more profit. So that's a high risk for, for, for companies. So awesome. this entire initiative uh, just transpired within two and a half years. We grew to 70 plus and uh, we worked some uh, very large and well-known companies. I mean, I... <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to mention them, but uh, <laughs> if people contact me, I'll tell them who they are. Uh, they're they're very well known. We work with twenty uh, over twenty seven uh, Southern California, well, actually California tech companies, and so we have product managers, everything, and so. What, I what have you know, um, I have one question before we get deeper into the business side, the entrepreneurial side. I wanted to ask you, this corporate world. There's a lot of politics. It, it's kind of corrupted. Uh, you know, people go with this innocent brains, innocent hearts. And when they come out, they have become the monsters. They have become, they have the most negative impact. You know, not everybody, not everybody. But you said that you took that as an, uh, you know, that was like your turning point in life. When somebody ill-treated you, they underpaid you. They gave you a lot of work. That was a time you realized that, you know, this is something I have to change. But it's not just outsourcing industry. They're like 
I think almost oh, no, all the industries. Service industry. Oh, all no, the industries. Yes. So, uh, is, yeah. yeah. So, what message do you have for all the people who are struggling there, who are uh, just getting up from the bed just because they have to pay their bills and they're not happy with their jobs? They're not happy with what they're doing in life. You got away. You were smart enough. You were super intelligent, and you were you you intelligence. Um, you know more than I intelligence. I don't think I was yeah. intelligent. I'm yeah. I think I was just pissed off. Pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was. Uh, I was really ticked off, and because I got you know you get so certain when you're fed up, right? And and you you just get so much information when you're just when you feel like you're not appreciated, and this is basically the environment. Um, Correct. I think for talent today. And I think the new generation, especially the Zoomers, uh, are being a little bit more selective and the environments that they want to be in. They're actually changing now the the global uh, stage of, of politics, right? They're, they're, now they want equality. Now they want, they're really, really pushing this. So I think companies need to start waking up and saying, okay, um, your business model needs to change because you need to be aware of the, the, the importance of diversity. The importance of uh, accepting and the importance of inclusion. Uh, inclusion meaning that there was also agnostic to equal, you know, as far as agnostic that, that you, you're not, there's no differences, meaning men, women, sexual orientation or whatever, religion, so forth. That the objective is the business and the cultural is where you have, the, you know, everybody involved. So you have more diversity, you have more inclusion. Uh, and it's agnostic, uh, very, you know, in, in that sense, there's more creative power because diversity is what gives us creativity and gives us more angles for us to save, uh, to solve a problem. So let, let me give an example of one of the first companies that uh, really show this. And I think they created a culture. Of course, NASA, you know, we're, we're I, I'm following that. We are branding our company like NASA because we, we actually we do have a spacesuit and so forth, but we want to inspire people. So NASA was the first company to actually, you know, to send a man uh, to do all this research. We never, we never had a man in space, but we had to do all this research, and we created all these technologies to put a man into space and back. And there was a lot of people behind. There was over four thousand people, engineers, men, women, all different races. They didn't care. We have an objective, and so when it's an objective base, and when we have something greater, we have a huge task. That's when you get rid of that, that, that. That's when you get rid of all that stuff. So you have greater diversity. Right now, companies are trying to make more money than the other, and they're focusing on the smaller picture of making money. Yeah, because they have investors, and these investors as well. At the, end, at the bottom, you know, at the end of the day, how much profit did you make from me? So these companies are forcing their talent to say, "I need for you to make us more money. I need for you to make us more money." So this talent is actually overrun, over, over, actually uh, overworked, and so forth. A and not space and time for for them to relax and to actually get into what they're trying to solve. So it's a competitive race, and I think this is where it creates this is the problem with the industry. Uh, meaning, it's, it becomes toxic very quickly because the company is very focused on profit. Yes, I understand you have billions of dollars in, being invested in startups and in the venture capitalists and so forth. They say, hey, we want to see our return. Of course. But on the longer term, for me, that's kind of narrow. And I know they, they're trained to take these companies in IPO. I don't believe every company should go IPO. I think they need to take that down. I know they want to have access. They want to have more, generate more money. Uh, the investors want to invest money. They want to be able to make their money. 
But I think we need to go back and say, instead of going to IPO, how about we make our people the most important thing? I'm going to invest in, on top talent that can thrive. Um, so to, to all this point, and basically talent needs to ask what kind of culture they have, talk to other people that work at that company, uh, talk to the executives, talk to other executives that work at that company that can give you some feedback. Because you can go to Glassdoor, you can go to all these companies. Oh, great place to work. Let me tell you about great place to work and, and all these. Uh, they're paid for, right? You need to pay and they're going to evaluate you and they're going to put you there. And uh, they're going to say, oh, this is a great place to work. When in reality, I've seen at the previous company I was at, they, they, they purchased a great place to work to say that they have a great place to work. When in reality, it was highly toxic. So don't believe, don't believe the hype from these companies uh, that use those services. Some companies, yeah, they have a great place to work. But the majority are paying to have some sort of leverage, a recruiting leverage, competitive <laughs> leverage, right? And so let's just don't, don't put that as a main thing. Don't believe it's, it's all the actions that matters. People write that this is our value. You know, this is our company value. We do this, we do this. And what they do is completely different. You know, so maybe that is one of the reasons, you know, at some point those companies go in that stagnant stage where they're not growing anymore. Oh, I call them zombies, zombie <laughs> companies. You know why? Because they're just, you know, they're just going along, chewing up brains and talent, <laughs> right? And they're just struggling. You know, it's a zombie company. They're not doing anything right. They're, and also the, each time that they're, they're already, if, if you're, here's another thing too. Don't create a company to compete against somebody else. One of the best books that I've read, um, Zero to One by Peter Thiel, it'll, it'll tell you. It's monopolies have been given a bad name. When you create something new, it's, you know, you're trying to basically be that first. You want to share, you want to be able to uh, bring your product out there. But at the same time, you can be the first, but share that wealth with your employees. Share, invest in talent because from those ideas, you're creating more ideas with the data, with the human behaviors. That's where the money's at. Uh, not on the actual service, not off the people. So I think we're... With more AI and machine learning coming in, more decisions will be made. People's afraid. A lot of people are afraid of what, how that's going to impact. I think it, every new technology brings more opportunities. Colleges have to change. Colleges are changing. They're no longer uh, a, especially technology. Right now, you can learn anything you want. Now you, you can, you know. So, so college has to be more relevant, contextually relevant to an experience like, especially the, I can understand healthcare and so forth. But now for technology, for software. Not necessarily do you need to be a PhD, uh, you know, not, now they're, they're grounding people not even finishing high school and they're already coding for a very large company. So it's more experience. Depends on the industry. Uh, also, I, I see that companies need to invest in uh, trade schools. You know, we need to bring those skills up and so forth. But this is all, all the way around. We, we lost a lot of welders and these craftsmen. And we're starting to see more people now going back into farming. So that's pretty cool. But again, it's, it's investing in something that you're passionate about. And I think as, a, as an entrepreneur, uh, you've got to be very passionate about the mission. And the mission has to, be an, has to create impact. If you're, making, if you're doing a business to just make money, you're going to lose because your focus is on the money. You're not focusing on the bigger picture. And that's high risk. Uh, also, I think one of the most important things for any entrepreneur, anybody that wants to get into a company or even companies 
I think founders need to be very good at recruiting, meaning you need to find people. I have a saying in the office, birds of a feather flock together. And that means that I want somebody that has the same passion, has the same, that can actually give me some, uh, you know, uh, objective views, uh, be able to challenge, but at the same time to go without my mission. I want, I want fellow explorers. We, we need to explore the unknown. So uh, you need to choose a really good founder. I've been very fortunate. Uh, I'm 48 years old, and my co-founder, when I met him, I was 45 when we started. My co-founder was just turning 23. And wow. he was just as, yeah, my co-founder was just 23. How did you guys align? Because you are... Because we worked for the same company previously. <laughs> oh, so you guys had and the same anchorage. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, the things we found that we wanted to change uh, what was going on, but he was very, he says, I want to do something big, but I don't have this knowledge. You have the knowledge. And I said, okay, what do you know? He says, I can build a business here. I know how to, he's a business degree, right? And uh, he did a TEDx talk here in Baja, California about wow. our entire mission. And uh, yeah, he was nervous, very nervous, but he did it. But here's a kid that was very passionate. He believed in the same things that I did. We wanted to solve the same challenges and of the same problems. And, uh, and we really hit it off. Uh, believe it or not, we started this uh, drinking beer uh, and meeting for the first time. We basically built the entire business plan in one night. Um, because we, we knew exactly what we wanted. When you know exactly what you want, and you already know the industry, and he knows it's like, you know what, here's the issues with, you know, especially we, we did we did things very legal. So he knew he understood the legal infrastructure, the uh, how to do payments from country to country. He already had all that information. I didn't have that information, okay? I know about the commercial and how to you know, connect with people and say, hey, I want to share a story. Here's what we're doing and here's what we're building. And, and the network is slowly giving us more, more business because we're doing something very positive. He's actually raising a lot of eyebrows because he's actually also uh, on his side being highly creative and being able to do things that were never done before, just like NASA, right? So the both of us said, as you know, our company needs to reflect. We, we need to reflect science. And so I said, we need to create frameworks, a scientific frameworks of certainty. And that's what we came up with the name Framework Science. Wow. And it, because it has meaning. When we say the word framework science, we are scientific framework of creating certainty, meaning that we approach everything from a scientific approach for truth. And, uh, and we have a common mission. So looking at your founder, looking at your fellow when you're recruiting or you want to bring somebody to your team, uh, really focus on, on those key values as a person, meaning what, what are they trying to aspire to? You know, if they're just coming in just to get a job, that person's just going to do their job, you know, pretty much nominal and just get out of there and just do something else. You know, they're not, they're just, they're just going for a paycheck. Um, so going back to the entire thing, I think finding, I was very fortunate to find, connect with, uh, with my, my founder, Jesus Romero. Uh, oh yeah. When I told my mom, I was like, I said, Hey mom, uh, I'm going to business and uh, I'm going to business with Jesus. She goes, what? <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, his name is Jesus. Oh. Goes, are you okay? She, are, are, are you been drinking again? I'm like, no, mom. I was like, no, his name is, Oh, Jesus. I'm like, yes. So that was pretty funny. Uh, but then we connected with other people. Uh, we started the business with zero dollars. Now we're over, uh, you know, uh, passing the three million dollar revenue wow. with, uh, with gross with with net of almost a million dollars. Uh, 
And that makes us, I mean, we started with zero dollars. Okay. We that's, with, that's crazy. You know, yeah, no, we, we were, <laughs> we were just two desks and two computers and, and, uh, in a tiny little office. And three months later, we're in a bigger office. Uh, wow. Yeah. You know, uh, you mentioned a few things. Uh, the first thing is that, uh, uh, you said that, um, you know, you found your co-partner, you found your partner and how, you know, you said that you guys, you guys had the same mindset, same struggles, same things you want to change for, for somebody, you know, who wants to start something, how to find that person, you know, because there's a lot of trust issues these days. There's a lot of, you know, uh, <laughs> crime happening. People don't really, you know, there's just there's so many things uh, happening. How do you, you know, what is that one thing that, that makes you realize that this is the guy or this is the guy I want to work with, or this is the guy who might not have that much of knowledge or skills, but I'm sure that we both can make a great partner, a great team. You know, what was that? When was that time you were like, uh, okay, he's the one. <laughs> well, it's really funny. We were talking about how you and I connected on LinkedIn. And so I ended up looking for local people that were starting something similar and there were tiny, small little companies and they were there. And uh, so I, I talked to a lot of companies here and because uh, we had a different business model. And, and then, and I found out that it's like, here's a tiny little company. And I said, Hey, I'm looking to do the following things. And he says, Oh man, I've been dying to do something big. I really want to, I'm really, I, I want to get into this technology thing. And, and he was just, the first conversations on LinkedIn, I like I noticed that this person had a lot of passion that they're really to do something. That's because that's they wanted to kind of uh, change their situation, and but it, it was just that early passion that they didn't focus about the money. They didn't talk. They didn't raise the question about I want to make money. No, he says I want to do something really big. I want to be able to focus and put all that I know, and I want to learn. I want to do that. And, and so it was a very honest answer. And if you know that they're if the reasons are not to make, like, say, if they don't throw the word money, like in, like in the first few minutes, you know that somebody's actually serious. You know, they, they, they want to, and also that they understand your industry. So I, I say, okay, uh, we worked for the previous company. He was building a product, and I'm a product manager. So we had a commonalities within the industry. Uh, and also, if you're young, and you, it's also cool to partner up with, uh, with somebody with with more experience that has the same drive is going to give you a lot of information like a mentor but at the same time uh your business partner because that person also is going to want you to have success so they're going to train you they're going to bring you up to speed uh, yeah so you want to do a background kind of review saying okay where do they come from what they have done what successes they have they had and and, and vice versa somebody older that is you know, wants to have a younger partner. I think it's a really good idea to have a difference in age uh, because you, you kind of have the best of two worlds, right? Somebody that's very knowledgeable and, a young, and, and, and somebody with a, a different perspective on culture because they're younger. They can, they can, really, they can really connect with, um, they really connect with the culture. So I would say, look at those opportunities uh, and also, just because you're a man or you're a woman, it doesn't mean that you can't have a partner of the opposite sex. Okay. Uh, 
that, that also provides also different nationalities, right? I'm different nationality and my partner, he's, we have a huge age difference. Uh, and I think when you take that away, what, what comes in is our passion for our mission. So when you have a common mission, let me tell you what it takes away, it becomes agnostic, just like NASA, like I was telling you earlier, it becomes agnostic. You're focusing on the bigger picture because that's the objective. Uh, we're going back, we're going back to the moon now, now we're going to Mars. And so we need to drive that passion and we need to start inspiring the younger generations to get into exploration. I cannot say, I can say this more, uh, get more women into technology. That's another issue that we're actually tackling. And, and it's something you're very passionate about is that the, especially the technology field is very male dominant. And so women don't get into that field. They say, well, I'm not going to get a job there. And it, it also, it pays less than a man. So why would women get into you know, in software development, there are just a, the percentage is very few. And so this needs to be fixed. This, we need to be able to help more younger ladies, younger women, professionals to aspire to really go after it and for companies to give them the opportunity to work in that environment uh, so they can thrive. And so we are focusing on that to get it here in the region. Uh, and I think when we have more diversity, we have different points of view, the creativity goes up and we're missing, technology is missing a tremendous amount of knowledge coming from the female perspective. Uh, and I, just like NASA, they, 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 they had that perspective and now we're, we don't have that perspective. I think we, we could bet, we could be better as a, as a world as a whole, if more women were actually included in the technology space. So beautifully so, said. That's awesome. You and, know, and yeah. How about the little girls? We need to inspire. I mean, you can be an astronaut. I mean, <laughs> exactly, you can, you know, but we need to give those opportunities. And, you know, there's like, uh, wow, no, this is not a place for me. It, it's not a man's world anymore. No, it's <laughs> a human world. Oh, okay. Awesome. This is, this is the human world. I mean, this is humans, you know, at the end of the day, all the technologies that we build, it's built by humans, for humans. We give value because as humans, we give a technology value, and that's the economy. So if we're not giving humans value, what are we, what are we doing today? How are we moving forward? We're always repeating the same thing. That's called crazy, thinking you're doing something different by doing the same crap every day. So I'm very passionate about changing things, but you know, I can only do it one way. What I have control over is that I can say to the world, here's our business model. This is why we're growing so fast. These are the incredible things that we're actually uh, building because we have this approach. We are very uh, passionate about our mission, about truth, about scientific, and inspiring the young minds to explore the unknown. Wow. And this is what we need to do. This is, it's called responsibility. My ability to respond is my allergic reaction to the crap that I've seen. And I say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do an antivirus to this. And that means I'm going to take away greed, the component from greed. And I'm going to show the world that basically with, when you have a group of people, they're very passionate because they believe in something greater. 
that you can accomplish a lot of things. And also at the same time, you're providing a great service to your clients and you're providing a great service to your staff. Wow. The environment and uh, collaboration, the collective innovation that is uh, the glean, derived, the, the knowledge base and you share in it. So it's a symbiosis. And that's why I believe now in symbiotic uh, technology relationships instead of being a very to say a tactical execution, which is outsourcing. This is where companies need to start asking more from their vendors. And, and this is what I want a company. And this is exactly what I wrote about uh, in the Forbes article that's going to actually be published here. Hopefully, you know, they, they said I'm <laughs> going to be ruffling a lot of feathers in the industry because I'm showing the very dark side and kind of, I, I, I think that's kind of like our sweatshops. Uh, software engineering has sweatshops. They have engineers working 12 hours a day for, you know, a few hundred dollars a month. You know, uh, that's, that's, that should pathetic, be pathetic. Wow. So, you know, you have seen a lot of, uh, you know, bad, you know, negative, you, you had a lot of negative experience because of that corporate world, because of that company. Then what are the changes you bought as an employer? So that you know that your employees or your staff, your team, are, you know, they will never go through what you had been through. So what is that? You know, what are the things you have done for them, which is very, you know, unlike, you know, people, usually companies don't really care about their, their people, their staff. So what are the things you are uh, working on? They won't admit it. I mean, a lot of companies won't admit it. I mean, they're focusing at the end, you know, how we're going to make money. You know, oh, yeah, let's just keep make sure that the staff is happy and that, that we can say that we have inclusion. We can say that we have diversity. I mean, you know, we're making posts that makes us, you know, we're doing the right thing. It's, it's all bullcrap. Uh, so and for us, we're always continuously trying to do the best that we can uh, because we have limitations as a business. Right. I wish we had. Uh, uh, we know that we need uh, more revenues in order for us to be able to provide even more, more, you know, more uh, at that level. So with what we can, we're growing on a very iterative pace, you know, step by step. We're improving things. We're always trying to make it better than last year or the month before. And if we can afford it, again, all the money that comes in goes back into the organization. So that enabled us to scale really fast. And with that scalability, we, we had certain things that it took a while for it to catch up. The banking situation is one one issue that we have we're still dealing with because you know when you have to do payroll and you have to do things and since we our business model the majority of the companies that are in in our industry they use a business processing outsourcing company we don't we have our own accounting department we have our own finance department and so forth and all the contracts are direct with us and so that's another thing that we changed wow. so we started changing because of the approach we said okay i want the best engineers we need to pay the highest salaries and i said to my partner and i you and i are just going to get a salary oh let me tell you something else so wow. i'm the ceo and my partner is the cfo but they are engineers that make more money than us oh. <laughs> yeah yeah, I have a I have a salary, but they're engineers that make at least you know a thousand dollars more than I do in a month, and uh, so uh, that's kind of like changing things up. And I said, well, how come you you're the CEO? You should be. I'm not going to be driving a Porsche, you know. I'm not going to be for what? That's not my end game here. 
I'm here to, wow. to actually in, invest in talent. And so this is when you really kind of buck the system. You kind of flip it on its head and saying, if more CEOs have a limit on their salaries and allow their staff to prosper, even someone prosper more than more, you're really going to change your culture. I think CEOs are overpaid. Oh, they brought, they brought us all this money and this idea. Well, they guess <laughs> if you want to pay your CEO, give them equity or give them a piece of, of the action. And, uh, you know, that, that's it. But I, I think that today, CEOs are overpaid. Wow. <laughs> CEOs are overpaid. Executives are overpaid. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm talking about C-suite. Yeah, C-suite. Presidents, directors and so forth. And, and, and that's Teams the are underpaid. <laughs> yeah, you create, when they're, they're so overpaid, they create a hierarchy. You're creating a hierarchy because of the amount of money they're making, the access to power that they have, and what, what they can actually achieve. But little by little, things are changing. So I, I personally think that for, to get back to your point, um, how we change things up is basically that we decided that this is a very uh, a philanthropic business, meaning that all the money comes in and it comes in for our staff and for our operations, what we're trying to achieve. Uh, everybody's doing the operations. Who's doing the work? Let me ask you a question. Let me, who's doing the work? Really, who is doing the work that we're being paid for? The software engineers. So if they're doing the work, we're just saying we're going to administer stuff. So why you know what I mean? It, it, to me, it's still kind of like, okay, so that that person's doing all the work and I'm taking all the salary. That doesn't make any wow. sense to me anymore. Uh, wow. So, yeah, that, but I say when you take away greed from the, from the business model, it's when you're going to start seeing that a lot of incredible things start happening. Uh, you're going to have more people that are actually dedicated, motivated because they're thriving. And I believe this is the beautiful thing when you have at least the majority, you can't make everybody happy. I'm not going to say that. We have engineers say, they thought I was, some engineers thought I was crazy. And <laughs> like, oh, this guy's full of crap. You know, he's, his head's in the clouds. And, and as I cannot believe because they're so stuck on working in the old mindset of, of being the employee rather than being a uh, part of the business. Part of the business, but a contributing member that is actually a valued contributing member. And so some of these people just like, you know, they thought they were crazy and so forth. And, and so I said, well, look, uh, people are going to be against what we're doing. And I totally understand that, but I have a, I have a mission that is basically that I want to make some changes. Uh, and we are, but we cannot, we can't force other people to change. We can only show them what can be done when you do things from a different perspective, from the em empathetic you know, with empathy and altruism, um, I think by doing something better than you did yesterday, just get that one thing done. You become more humanistic because you have altruism. You all have altruism, you know. And I think this is we 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 have to go into the era of the um, you know the humanized companies. Uh, we we dehumanize you know them. Seriously, I, I so wish that I should have uh, uh, pursued an engineer degree or something and work for you because it, it, it is so fascinating. You know, it is, it is like, wow. Well, I, think, I think what you're doing is great because you're, you're capturing all these ideas and you're talking to people, you're disseminating these <laughs> stories. And I think, this is, I think this is the thing that you should be doing, you know, 
I think you could do this for yourself and you can actually learn and you kind of share and saying, okay, these are all the things I've learned. These are all the people that I've talked with. And, and I think that's incredibly valuable because there's other people that you can share this message with that never had access to that information. They say, well, I didn't know that I could do this. I didn't know that there's other ways to do business. And there is. And there is. we did it in a way because imagine when you can do something and not put yourself in fifty to $100,000 in debt to start a business. It's, it's very rewarding because we are able to do when you, when you are, when you actually work as a collective, a collaborative collective, it's very powerful because you feel empowered that you are pushing things, the needle forward and people are joining your mission because they're going, Oh yeah, I get it. And yeah, and more time, you you know, people are going to go to other opportunities. I have engineers that have actually worked for us, uh, not to go to a different tangent, but let me give you the, the, the outcome and the effect. Um, it's not only growth, but something just started happening. It's because I hired really very talented engineers that never had, that were never exposed. I was about to ask this question. Please go on. I love yeah. the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, just one day, uh, I, 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 you know, we, we were just getting started and actually one of our first, one of our first engineers and it's uh, a native, uh, a Mexican native American, uh, Indian, uh, uh, Aboriginal Indian here from the region from Mexico, uh, not Wapil, uh, it's the tribe. And he was the first to go to college and he was the first to get a master's degree and just an incredible soul. And, but he's, you know, reserved, quiet, very nice. I saw his resume. I'm like, holy moly, this guy knows this stuff. And it's just a hardcore engineer. And I said, what have you been doing? And he said, no, I've been working for these companies. And, you know, just, you know how much are you earning? And when he told me how much he was earning, I'm going, oh, my God, this guy's incredible. And he interviewed with one of the guys that previously he was an engineering manager at AOL. He says, Lonnie, that's an engineer. You want to hire that guy. And so I hired him. And so I knew that he was powerful, but he never had a voice before. Nobody would hire him. Uh, well, his first language is Nahuatl, uh, the Native American language. And then second was Spanish and third English. So, of course, he had a strange way of, of wording things, but he's just an incredible soul. He inspires me, brought me a lot of peace in my life, by the way. The guy's incredible. And so um, one of the things as a company we did, we ended up sending a lot of our engineers to uh, – because we have, you know, the entire uh, NASA thing. I sent the team because, you know, it's not too far away. We sent them to NASA JPL labs, you know, the Jet Propulsion Labs in uh, Pasadena. Um, and I started posting the pictures and stuff like that. And just so happens that companies start picking up on what we were doing. I'm like, why, why are software engineers going to JPL? I said, why not, right? We need to inspire people. And so Apple, Apple started picking up on <laughs> what we were doing because I asked, so, so I asked my engineer, his name is Blasio, and he says, he goes, no, it's just they saw our posts that, and stuff like that. So they, they asked me what I was doing and, and they asked me if I want to come and work with them. And, and I was just, you have no idea that wow. it helps somebody get an opportunity because they were never had the opportunity. And this is what I fell in love with what we're doing. I knew that it was working is to give an engineer that never had a disability to have an opportunity. And now he's working at Apple headquarters. They took, wow. they took him from me, but I tell you what, 
that's the next step. We need to propel people to that next level. And that is so incredibly rewarding. And another engineer of ours ended up working for, uh, he's actually there. He's at Uber headquarters too. Um, wow. And also other engineers have followed. Uh, they're just giving people opportunity, you know, opportunity, you know, the, the less fortunate. And so, you having a big heart to letting them go, letting the best engineers of your company go because, because you're thinking more about the engineers. Oh, <laughs> no, think about it. I mean, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, 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 let's go back here. I mean, think about what it says about my business. Lonnie hires engineers that eventually go to the big companies. Wow. <laughs> so, so that in itself, by doing something like this, is saying, look where my, our people go after they work with us for a year, two years. That's, I call that positive rotation. That's when they're going to the next level because my job and how we work with companies is we understand the company's objectives. We know the technology stack and we know the architectural uh, strategy and objectives for scalability. And that's how we align talent and we get really good at it. We have this advanced algorithm that we utilize in order for us to identify these individuals that understand the business objectives. They, they, they know the technology stack that is supporting that objective. So we do a very scientific approach to creating a team versus, oh, here's your guys. Oh, hire somebody through TopTal. So we want to be more accurate because businesses want to be able to reach their objectives, right? So our people are highly motivated. Uh, you know, they're motivated. They're actually inspired and also uh, they're thriving and they're able to bring a greater amount of certainty to, to the projects because we do a lot of work. We do the human work. That's all and, you guys. And so we want people to thrive. If they, we want them to thrive, that means that we want them to have, they need to level up. Then they come with us, then this can prepare them for the next level. At the same time, our clients say, wow. great engineers, I need more. And so that's what we're creating our platform, which is Higher Rocket. Uh, and of course, I have to name it Higher Rocket. <laughs> uh, and basically, the client is going to interact with us in real time where all things are at with their, um, you know, how they're going to build teams and just our entire management system. Uh, and so we're again we're we're trying to innovate. We are actually innovating not only from the business model, but we're innovating with technologies to automate the process. And basically, we're creating certainty uh, with accuracy, improving accuracy, imp improving hiring velocity. And so this is the scientific framework of certainty that we're creating with a, with a philanthropic business model. And I know that's a mouthful, but it all starts with being human. Wow. Wow. I'm just, I'm just trying to process everything. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's amazing. You know, the way you guys are working, the way the, the transparency and everything. And that is what makes you stand out of the competition. Like competition does not even exist in your business, to be honest. <laughs> um, I, 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 you know, people say, well, you have competition. I say, well, there are other companies that are in, in, in the industry the way we operate is is a new approach, uh, and so do we have comp do we have direct competition doing exactly what we're doing? As far as I know, at this moment, 
with the business model that we have and the costs and our, our advanced processes and the technologies we're, we're actually integrating right now in order for us to be more effective. And, you know, again, we're, we're talking about, you know, the book earlier, Zero to One from Peter Thiel. You want to do something that is so, that impacts that nobody's actually doing. You want to get ahead. You want to do it fast. So we want to scale fast. We want to bring the message even faster to everybody else. This is the reason I, I said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll go on a podcast. I'll talk about what, what we're doing. And so right now we're in that process. So this is, this is why I think when the, when the competition needs to start paying attention, because as we grow, other companies, the bigger companies can start taking notice and they mm-hmm. say, well, I want my vendor to do what framework science is doing. Uh, because they're, they're validating even more effectively. They're giving me more transparency. So what are you paying your engineers? This is where things are going to get really interesting. Vendors will need to wow. start showing transparency if they really want to work with an advanced or a, a technology industry. So that that's my goal, right? At the <laughs> time, Amazing. You know, improve, improve people's lives. Uh, if you're doing a business just to earn some more money, I don't think that's very honorable as far as, I mean, all businesses want to make money, right? I mean, but you're making money off of ideas, okay? I'm talking about the service, okay? Uh, Any kind of, like, you know, even for call centers, telecommunications, all these different services that are outsourced to different parts of the world. And the businesses say, oh, we're giving jobs to engineers that never had jobs before. And I said, well, that's an excuse. How much are you paying them? How much? I mean, really. And so corporate social responsibility. Now, these companies, large corporate companies are starting to pay attention to what outsourcing vendors. It's not only the fashion industry that had to really get with with program, meaning sweatshops and so forth. But now more technology companies are saying, "Okay, is our vendor um, also diverse? You know, they include diversity, equal pay. Yeah, so this is exactly what we need to do, but we need to show it. We're not, I'm not here to push anything on anybody else. We are seeing tremendous amount of uh, success because we're being truthful. We're being realistic. Uh, we mitigate risk. We are very client-sided, at the same time, humanistic with our staff. And so closing the gap, What's easy is by having a more humanistic approach to to business. So how do this you? Is where we're at. <laughs> That's awesome. How do you choose your next hire? Is it because the person is from a big institution? Uh, is it like no. what is that one skill that you look for the next hire? You know, and you're just like, okay, he's the guy or he's the woman. Like, how is drive? That drive. You know. You know what I hire. I call them cowboys, cowgirls. Uh, those are the, the cowboys are the ones that says, yeah, I get it. Hold my beer. I'm going to do this. <laughs> oh. Those are the people that's like, you know, they're, they're that driven. They have that drive. They have that, you know, I want, I'm, because they are completely, you know, they understand what they're being a part of and they love what they do. They love their craft. They don't treat it as a nine to five job. They love to solve problems. They're passionate about that, but at the same time, 
they don't need a lot of hand-holding, meaning that uh, they know exactly what they want. They've been after it. So they're very, I would say, very passionate, very driven people. But at the same time, they can art- articulate their value proposition to fellow team members and communicate. So meaning that we're doing things. I'm not just an individual contributor, but at the same time, um, I'm also collaborating with my team in order for us to hit the, the larger objective. So those are the kinds of people we're looking for. And first of all, I'm going to say something that, I, that people look for unicorns. And I'm going, unicorns are for kids. I'm looking for explorers. That's why I'm looking for astronauts. Do you have the right stuff? Show me what you got. Rick and Morty. Whoa. <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> wow. <sighs> okay. You know, how about... How is your family supporting you in all of this? You know, do you think it's it's a your family has got a very important role uh, to support you mentally? Like, my how wife. is your wife? My wife is the one. My wife is the one, and she goes, "Don't give up. It's time for you to actually move on." She goes, um, "I will be with you through the thick and thin. If we're wow. poor, if we're richer or poor, whatever. But you you need to really come to the conclusion, and you need to let your past go." Um, like the previous company, I was very upset about how they, they treated me. And she just turned that energy into something that you know that you have control. And so I started meditating. Meditation is highly critical, by the way. I started giving thanks to the universe and I started being more thankful. When you're more thankful and you meditate, your mind focuses what's really important instead of all the noise in your head. And you're able to focus on what is critical and important for the business and for, for people around you. So that also gives you more empathy. If you have more empathy, then you can actually include more things, make your life richer. And so this, the support for my wife was highly critical because she's the one that changed my life. I don't want to get emotional here, but um, yeah. My God, that's awesome. That's so sweet. Yeah. Wow. Well, of course, my parents were like going... What, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing this. I don't care what you guys think. But the most important the most important person that matters to me is the one that supports me. And I support her, but she's she's the one who's you got this. Wow, that's, you got that's this. awesome. You got this and you better do this. Because if you don't do this now, you're gonna regret it for the rest of your life. And I wow. say, and she goes, What do you have to lose? And I say, Exactly, what do I have to lose? Wow. I've been at the bottom after I've been, you know, so I know we're kind of running out of time, but I just want to give you thanks for uh, this incredible opportunity for me to share the story. And hopefully your audience will get something out of it. Maybe some chuckles, maybe some important information. But the most important thing, I think the, the biggest lesson here is I think I think businesses need to be uh, need to have uh, be more human and have a lot of more empathy and diversity. All those things are now very important. And and before we go, uh, what are the few tips for the for all the young entrepreneurs out there? Uh, you know, why to have a philanthropist model? You know, a business model, philanthropist business model for all the young entrepreneurs, for all the emerging women entrepreneurs, and everybody. Um, I think it's when you when you go in, you want to be able to be able to bootstrap um, and also show the venture capitalists that you are uh, willing to do whatever it takes to get to hit the objectives and you're really well organized and you have a very good team. And I think that's where you're going to find that you're going to have more cash 
to be able to invest in important areas of growth for the business. So I think this is where the venture capitalists are seeing that. I, I think that's, that's a very good approach. Uh, of course, understanding your business model, understanding your market. And by the way, before you build anything, know your users, know the people. You already have like 200 people say, I want to buy your, your idea. I want to use that. Before you put a line of code or before you create anything, don't, don't go out there and just say, oh, I want to build something and I'm going to sell it. No. <laughs> don't do that. You know, and it's okay to fail, but learn from your failures and actually apply it. But um, don't don't build anything without actually really getting a lot of testing out in the marketplace of people open up with it. So And your frustration when somebody says greed. <laughs> so say something about that to you know. <laughs> well, greed is just basically I, I, I think it's more I think about the 80s, <laughs> the 80s, or 80s, 90s, you know, financial markets and so forth. But uh, uh, greed, that that I think for me is a bad word. Uh, it's kind of like, it's it's not... It's going to destroy everything. It's it's destroying the world, right? It's, it's what is driving all this chaos, greed, power. And it's been like that for since the inception, since the beginning of humanity, right? So... Um, I, I just think if you take greed out of the equation, your business is going to prosper. Um, and that, that is, we're validating that. So thank you so much for uh, having me on your, on your podcast and uh, feel free to reach out to me. Definitely. Thank you so much for follow this. Us, follow us. Uh, you know, yes. people want to hear more of, uh, about our mission. It's uh, framework science. Our website is fwscience.com. And you can kind of see our uh, our icon there. We have an actual spacesuit in, uh, in our office, and uh, wow. call him Kevin. So, anyways, thank you so much. Uh, feel free to reach out to me anytime, and we can share more about thank it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys. I really hope you got some value out of this. Love you all, and stay tuned for our next show. Bye bye.